Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Morning Coffee. I'm Jess. And I'm James. We actually have coffee out here now after we've eaten our breakfast. Jess, could you share what we had for breakfast? All right. So, um, so for breakfast today, we had... I feel like this will be kind of controversial to people that are not Asian, but we had Nathan's hot dog with rice. So good. And a perfectly fried egg where the yolk is like a little bit gooey, um, but then the edges are crisp. And I grew up eating hot dogs and rice. Specifically, I grew up eating boar's head hot dogs because I'm a oh. boar's head girl. But... Um, I, I, you know, I grew up eating hot dogs and rice because my dad had a grocery store when I was a kid and I loved hot dogs and rice and we were, you know, scraping by um, during a lot of our life, but it's very much a comfort food for me. And I haven't eaten hot dogs in a really long time until we started dating and I found out that you and maybe Filipinos in general. Yeah tend to eat hot dogs, rice, and egg for breakfast. What is it called? Hot dog salag? No. <laughs> no, it's just hot dogs, eggs, and rice. So in the Philippines, they use hot dogs as a replacement for like sausages and things like that. So one of the iconic Philippines dishes is spaghetti, but with hot dogs in it. So if you ever go to a Philippine Filipino party, you see spaghetti there, there's probably going to be hot dogs in it because it's like they use that instead of sausage, which is what, you know, traditional spaghetti would be made of. Um, but yeah, I've grown up having hot dogs, eggs, and rice for breakfast, like a lot. <laughs> and yeah, I don't think it, in my house, my mom didn't really cook like the topsalog or we did have lunganisa and all that, which is, you know, another type of sausage. But for me, yeah, I was like hot dogs, eggs, and rice, and yeah, just having that runny yolk, being able to dip the hot dog in it is just, I just did the chef Chef's kissing, kiss. kissing hands, you can't see that on the podcast, but oh, so good. Um, I remember one of the first meals that you ever made for me, like as a couple, was Spam, eggs, and rice. Mm, spam is also oh, yeah. very, very And good. Koreans love Spam, like we, we love Spam, and um... I, I, did, I learned that it's called Spam Salog, S-I-L-O-G, mm-hmm. and you just add like whatever meat. Well, if you're having it with eggs, yeah, then it's, that's yeah. what the, the log part So is. we totally had hot dog, hot dog Salog, <laughs> right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was good. And I, I like to garnish it with um, like scallions for color and aesthetic. Yeah. You also put like sesame seeds on sesame it. Sesame seeds. Too, which is yeah. Really good. Yeah. And if I'm feeling up to it, we'll make the rice garlic rice, which is also an amazing Philippine breakfast type of thing. Yeah, I went for a really long time not eating garlic rice. You know what I found out during our, our time together is that um, garlic rice and kimchi and spam and egg, like kimchi is a missing ingredient. Yeah. It's so not that. It's just acid. It's so good. Those things together, holy. Yeah. So for the acid part, um, Filipinos love vinegar. And so, the breakfast? Yeah, so if you have, I think it's tosalog, um, you'd have like a little dish on the side that's like um, the hot like vinegar 
dipping. Uh-huh. And Filipinos are just like dip meat in like that that like pepper vinegar type huh. of mixture. So the yeah, Filipinos love vinegar. I don't know, my vinegar is mad good for you apparently, so Yeah. Okay. Alright, I learned something new. Yeah. Um some stuff I'm thinking a lot about this week. One is I started doing a really interesting exercise. I'm at a point in my job search where I um I followed some advice and emailed three questions. I or I am reaching. I'm asking friends and people I've worked with three questions um, around like uh, what skill sets they think I you know have that I've shown. What like positions or industries they think would be really good for me, and what kinds of jobs I should actually avoid and leave to someone else and those answers i'm still collecting them but they've been like very interesting and some have been very surprising mm-hmm. um so i'm looking forward to like collating all of that at the end yeah you said these are you were asking people that you used to work with yeah and yeah okay either i worked with or even like friends yeah because you even asked me yeah uh, earlier in the week you asked me to answer those questions yeah and I guess we work together, but I, I also know you because you tell me everything that's happening with your your jobs. And everything, but I feel we've like also I know worked also. together. Yeah, you know. Yeah, we've done projects we've together, done projects and I kind together. of could tell like what are good skills that you have and what are things that you should lean into. Yeah, um, and you also I think what's really helpful too is you have a different idea of the industry than I do. Mm-hmm. So you know, asking different people in different um, spaces gives me insight into positions I never even considered. Yeah. So it's it's pretty great. Um, I think it was really like scary kind of to do that at first. Like one, receiving compliments is kind of weird and it feels like you're fishing for compliments and you're like, what do you think I'm really good at? Like, yeah. and you know, while you're talking to me too, when, they're, when people are telling me, I don't like respond. I get like stonewalled and I just like, you know, type down all the notes because I don't know how to respond to some of this stuff. But, um, I think it's really good for two reasons. One, I think the act of vulnerability uh, is really helpful. Yeah. Um, just reaching out to people and asking for help, I think, is just like a really interesting thing. And two, I'm making data-driven <laughs> decisions. I'm not making assumptions about what I'm good at, and I'm not making assumptions about what people need. I'm getting like really clear answers on hey, this job uses these skills that you might have that are transferable. You might want to consider like doubling down on learning this skill. And here are pathways to get to XYZ. So it's been really fun. And it's helping me narrow down the kinds of roles I want to apply for. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So in your conversations, was there anything surprising that came up? Or were there kind of things that you were like, oh, yeah, like I... I was thinking about that for myself. Yeah, I mean, okay, like literally everyone that I've talked to, the fr- like when I ask what skill sets have you noticed in the time that we've worked together, like everyone uses very specifically the word synthesizing, like very specific, <laughs> like yeah. like skill set. Um, so that is something interesting. I think uh, I've had a couple people encourage me to lean into design. The only reason I'm, I'm like, ugh, is because there's like technical skills that you need time to build up. And I'm yeah. like, nah, but, um, but that's interesting. And yeah, I don't know. I think the most recent one that really kind of like surprised me was 
you know, on the one hand, people are saying like, you might do really well in project management. I had a friend, she's, she's, she's a friend and she's worked with me from almost like nine years ago. And on the other hand, she was like, I don't know if you would thrive in roles where you're just telling other people what like, where you're just like catch, like trying to chase after people to get their jobs done. She's like, I know you are very hands-on and you really like to see things have like a certain outcome. So she was the first person to just be like, you might want to look for roles where you're more able to be like involved in the creative process of it. And I was like, oh, yeah, so that was fun. That was cool. Yeah, I mean, do you like to because I, I, I have this gripe with like a lot of companies that I've worked for in the past is that they tend to hire a lot of people that tell other people what to do and I end up being that person that like does everything yeah and whenever they have new hires it's like oh you just hired like another director that's gonna give me more like tell me to do more stuff so mm. are there do, I mean do you like like doing stuff and I know in your previous roles you actually had like a lot of hands-on stuff to do I remember you're working on the like text messaging thing and that was like actual hands-on work versus like telling other people what to to do like do you find yourself enjoying like hands-on work like doing that type of stuff yeah I think that's a really interesting question I think if it's um I think if it's hands-on work where I'm learning something new I enjoy it a lot because like everything is like some kind of exploration if I'm doing hands-on stuff that feels like just maintenance or like somebody else just like giving me work that they don't want to do, like that to me, you know, there's a part of my feathers that get ruffled where I'm like, I have like 10 years of experience. Like I'm not your intern. Like don't treat me like, you know, X, Y, Z. Um, but I, I actually kind of retorted to uh, the friend the other day because I'm like, I think this is something that is kind of a new development. You know, when you're when you're like kind of this far into like a career, which is very interesting for me to say because I'm entry level in tech, but I'm like 15 years of managing programs and stuff, right? There's a certain point where like, I want to be so much more involved in like strategy and like helping other people do their jobs well, that like does, bring me like a certain level of joy um, and unblocking things for other people. And there's also like people who are just so much better at stuff than me, right? So like, I do kind of want to be in this place where I like, I get to be the brainstormer and the unblocker and the encourager and the motivator yeah, um, and the mentor even, and less like the the grunt work part of stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Of course that depends on like what job I, I end up getting, but yeah, yeah, it's different. Yeah, when you think about like the roles that you've had, like, what were some of the things that like gave you the most enjoyment? I'll give you an example for me. Like, mm-hmm. for some of the jobs that I've worked for, one of the things that gives me the most satisfaction is like seeing the the impact of mm-hmm. the stuff that I like worked on. So like, if we roll something out, I'm always like, oh, I want to see that we put that live. Like, what it's actually doing? Are people using it? Mm-hmm. Or like, and I love seeing that like immediate like result of the thing yeah. that I did which is why sometimes I mm. am not excited about 
like working for bigger companies because the work that you do is kind of like it's just diluted get... by all of the million things that yeah. the company's doing. Like you pour a bucket into an ocean. Yeah. Like, so like if you work yeah. for like Google, Facebook or whatever, like they're, they're big organizations with a lot of super smart people. And then if you're like in a really tiny department and mm. like you do some, you roll out something. And I, I read, I read a thing that like for the like button there like 40 people were like working on literally just the like button Jeez. and if, if it was like that and you know facebook google they're doing all these like crazy initiatives you just like launching like a new like button is like could be just diluted by all of the other <laughs> crazy things that that they're doing and to me it's more exciting and this is kind of why i like working at startups is because like you only like launch one thing or mm. the thing that everybody's working on is like the most important thing and you're only launching like one thing at a time and you could immediately see like what impact the thing that you're working on has on the company as a whole so for me that's like the type of satisfaction I get and I do like for me I like doing hands-on stuff because I like building things too Mm. I get a lot of satisfaction from like working on something and seeing the finished product and then like putting it out there so I mean I ask that for you because there's always this question of like yeah, do you want to be, like, the, the manager that's, like, you know, shuffling people and, like, getting the, the people who are doing things to do things? Or do you actually want to be in there also, like, building stuff with them? Because from what I've seen from you, like, you've created such, like, crazy tools and stuff that, like, helps people do their jobs. So would you rather be, like, doing that, like, playing and, like, building those things or, like, telling somebody else, like, oh, you should build that thing because it's needed? yeah. I don't know. I think that's a really, that's kind of, I'm in the place of figuring that out. Um, To answer your first question is like in all of my jobs, what I really like to do. And I think the common denominator in everything has been hearing people's challenges or ideas and like really listening it through and then like name, like essentially synthesizing what I hear and having them be the like the the most satisfying thing for me is when they're like wow Mm -hmm. i never thought about it that way oh my god you really named you nailed it you you named exactly what the thing i was grappling with and i didn't have the words for it and you gave me the words for it and now that you know what it is you can decide how you want to move forward with it or i like roadmap like here's you know here's some things you can try here's what has worked and whether that's I'm talking about like psychology like counseling or emotions or like you know I I think I remember even like a part-time job I had at a high school and there was just a conversation I had with the assistant principal there and he was like oh man my dream was always to like build this program for like xyz and my brain immediately turned on and I'm like all right let's talk about it yeah like what can we do to like what's what's the meat of your idea like what's the and i I like drilling it down and then the other part of all of the like my jobs that i've really liked has been like inspiring people to do the thing like most a lot of the time when people talk to me they're blocked on something and then like or they feel like they can't do something and i think like my favorite thing is this is instant gratification for me because in the middle of a conversation, you can literally feel their doubt falling away. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, Oh my God. And then like just speaking into them and like showing them the possibility of a different perspective. And then they just pause and they're just like, I really needed this conversation. I really appreciate it. Like that has been so far the most 
rewarding part of every job. And like, that's why for a long time, I wondered if being a therapist is really what I wanted to do. But like, this the system is sick like becoming a therapist is a is a grueling process and once you're there it's like not yeah and i think like for that thing that you get a lot of that rewarding feeling from yeah it could happen in small ways it doesn't have to be in like a doctor patient relationship but like i feel like what you mentioned and that happens a lot in startups where there are like it's much needed to have a person that just clarifies people or just like Unblocks. changes their perspective totally. or what i would say a lot of start- startups are looking for is to like are for, are for people to get the whole team to buy into what the company's doing because from personal experience one of the things that like makes startups most inefficient is when the entire team is like not aligned on what they're building or they don't believe in the like why they're building this certain thing and when everybody's of different perspectives they're not all like on the same team moving towards the same thing and causes a lot of friction and i would say a lot of startups that i've worked for and worked with even like as a consultant that's like one of the biggest issues that they have is that everybody's kind of all over the place and not yeah bought into what they're doing or they're not even and they're not clear yeah it's also a communication thing it's because people just tell each other what they should do and not why they're doing it right or like you know it's the the communication is like a one-sided value thing like i can tell you why i think it's great but it's a whole different reason why you would think it's great and like it the the goal is well why are you here what do you value about the work that you do and how does this align or not align with what you value and i think like i think the 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 thing i really love is that like the communication aspect of it like to me, communication is the medium and the connection to like everything. You know, mm. you think it's design. I 100% think it's words yeah. <laughs> and like curiosity. Well, I mean, even for you, when you were um, telling me about this, you originally were going to do it via email. Yeah. And then when we were talking about it, you were like, we, we landed on basically you should just call people no, and talk to them on I the would phone. not have gotten the conversation that we got You're, like the the questions you asked me in response like your answers I felt had higher quality because we were having a live conversation you weren't just answering bullet point like three questions in an email I would have gotten some surface level stuff from you mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. it's the digging deep part that like I love I also think that you just like talking to people in person words yeah like on the phone or in person yeah versus just sending over a survey or like doing everything in, in writing yeah yeah i i also like text messaging too you know um i think pretty deep conversations can actually had be done via text messaging. i'm a text person oh yeah i if you if it came down to either a phone call or a text message i would always be a text person mm-hmm. and I, I talked to this with you when we were early on in dating and even when we were early on in dating and having tough conversations I almost wanted to like not you wanted have to hang them up face the phone to face and text me yeah, instead. I, yeah I wanted to like text you my thoughts because I felt like mm-hmm. when I would say things verbally whatever I chose to say might not have been exactly what I wanted to communicate mm. 
I prefer communicating in text because I have an opportunity to write down what I think my thoughts are and then look at it and be like, is that what I actually wanted to communicate before I hit the send button? I think this is also similar to our conversation last week when I told you about how I hate whiteboarding. It's because it's like what you say is out there and that's the message that went across where I don't have that opportunity to like um, edit or what's the word I'm looking for? Edit or like look at what I want to say before Refine. I hit send. Yeah. yeah. Because that's I often find in texting, I'll like write something and I'll be like, wait, that's not actually the, the thing I wanted to communicate to that person and then I'll erase it and then mm. refine it. So that's really interesting. I don't know. I'm the opposite. I, I hate phone calls. Damn. I prefer texting. But you're always the type of person to be like, just just call them, like to talk to talk on the phone. And for me, it's not about like not wanting face to face. A lot of people will hear that and be like, oh, you're not like man enough to like talk to them like face to face. It's like to me, it's not that. It's I just want to make sure that what I say is the right message that I want to get across to the other person, and I don't want the words that come out of my mouth when I like listen back to it, be like, oh, that's not actually what I meant to say to that person. Mm. And now they've heard what I said and they're like receiving things in a different way. And now we have to like edit and give feedback on the thing that wasn't ready to be shared. Exactly. And now you have to go through your whole whiteboarding PTSD. (laughs) So I don't know. I I don't know if that's just like unique to me because other people are totally fine, really good at talking to people and whatever they say is exactly what they wanted to to share with other people but i just feel like i'm not that type of person that's really interesting that's super fascinating i like the the image that's going on in my brain right now is almost like uh like uh i don't i don't i don't actually know if whiskeys go through distillation i know that there's some distillation processes but i'm imagining one of those like scientific like glass like bulb things where you know your words have to go through a certain amount of filters and like you have to run tests and like you have to, have yeah. to go through some kind of journey before you actually like deliver the words that you want to hear yeah whereas for me like i have a much like simpler distillation system but i think like and i can't really say if it's from years of writing like i've been writing my thoughts mm-hmm. and publishing them on the internet since i was 14 and that's also why I was like, for a while, I thought I was going to be a writer. Like, I either refine my ability to listen to my thoughts and give word and like assign the right words to them very quickly through mm. like 20 years of writing experience, or it's a part of my DNA and it's something that I've already like kind of been born with. Yeah. I feel like you also have a lot of experience talking to people like mm. in your previous roles and in your pre- previous jobs you talk to a lot of students mentors and things like that so you also have a lot of practice in verbally communicating with other people I feel like I haven't yeah. I, I, when compared to you I probably don't have as much exercise mm. in terms of vocally communicating with other people yeah that's really interesting I think um, I'm also thinking about my friendships like this is also the environment nurture versus nature thing like my idea of an ideal hangout is talking to my friend for three hours like every kind of fun memory i have with my friends is sitting down at a park and talking or walking from like 64th street to chinatown 
just talking, like talking for hours. Like whenever, like that's why whenever I hang out with my friends, it's never like a group hangout or a party because we usually end up just sitting down over coffee and talking for two hours. And that's my like preferred method of connection with people. Yeah, you love the like one-on-one. I do. Intimate like conversation time. I like bro, I love meetings. Like, whereas I'm like I'm like the opposite. <laughs> I love bowling, and when we're bowling, we're just getting competitive and yelling at each other, and not like actually talking <laughs> to each other about our personal lives. So, how is your week? You're like bro, like I need to focus. Have like, you ever thought about? I've actually had that's that thought. Really funny. Once in a while, like I almost now I'm self conscious about it. If I were to go out bowling with friends, I'd like stop and be like, we're not really interacting. We're just bowling and talking shit to each other about who's gonna win or lose but yo you need play (laughs) it's like it's play it's like when you go on a date to the movie theater and you don't actually yeah interact with each other you're just next to each other sitting in seats so i never understood the movie date because you don't actually interact with one another at least for if you're early on dating like i don't get people who go to the movies on like the second or third date because you get no new information about that person or you don't learn more about that person you just are sitting next to each other watching a but movie. if that's your way of connecting you know like just bowling and talking shit and like doing shared activities and laughing and having fun and then talking about it after like you dissect the movie after yeah. you learn a lot about people and how they like you know it's sure and yeah i mean i actually if you told me like hey we're gonna hang out and we're gonna like sit for three hours and, and talk you'd be like wow that's terrible <laughs> yeah i i love the activity dates like because i i love activities yeah whether it's like bowling or yeah riding bikes or um i i do like talking but i don't like talking with people who are like new acquaintances like if you're my friend for years i i would love to sit down and have like a three-hour conversation with you but if i'm just like meeting someone you know for the third or fourth time and i don't really know who they are i don't think i'd be comfortable mm-hmm. having a two or three hour chat yeah. with them although when i was going to conferences in other cities i did have like coffee chats with random people who wanted to meet up and we did talk for but you knew that that's what you were doing that was an agreed upon expectation and exchange so you were like mentally primed to have that conversation and open the door to people and it's not like you're expecting to have an activity and then yeah you already have like a subject or premise before you have that meeting yeah that's really interesting i think um i mean one i feel like we haven't had a lot of activity dates especially in our early stages, a lot of our dates were just like walking and talking. Um, we have dinners. Yeah, we did have dinners, that's true. That's yeah. an activity. Um, so I think that's really interesting because like a lot of the times my friends will invite me to things that are shared activities. They're like, we're having a, like a um, you know game night. We're having like a XYZ. I we're having So for me, I'm like, Oh my god like i'm just like you know i i I feel like um shared activities take more battery from me because they require me to like do things and have a lot of surface level small talk and small talk is like excruciating to me activities take away the small talk because you're doing it it gives you a thing to do and interact with people about 
the small talk happens when you put a bunch of people in a room without an activity oh, to do true. and now they've got to fend for themselves on like who they talk to and what they say yeah i guess you're right yeah, yeah i don't know i don't know what it is about like activities that activity parties that freak me out but we go to well we couldn't do it today because of the rain outside but we do like apple picking with our friends i know and, and I that's know. fun yeah i, I would never have it. thought i was an apple picker mm-hmm. but you know my friend who loves apple picking we do that together yeah no i think this is I, i'm gonna have to think about this and i think i'm gonna have to allow more activity at invite more activity into your life yeah yeah i keep seeing these lantern flies flying about anyway um yeah invite more activity into my life and i'm probably gonna have more robust friendships for that reason <laughs> Yeah, for me, it, the activities are a good way to deflect small having to do small talk and all that. But it's also like a reason to bring people together. Because yeah. if I hit somebody up and been like, what are you doing? Do you want to just like Go sit bowling? next to each other for three hours and talk? Yeah, <laughs> and like... I think people are like, yeah, I think I have other things to do today. And then meanwhile, my friends are like, God, I've been waiting for that. Like, you know, yeah. like if your day is all activity... If all of your friends are all activity all the time and you don't have deep conversations with anybody, you know, even your partner, like your fa- like, where do you put all that? Mm-hmm. I guess I'm the person that like, <laughs> you know, but like, but yeah, I feel like people need a healthy balance of the two because um, I can't imagine going my whole life just doing activities. But that's what life is <laughs> traveling is an activity i mean you also have to understand that like yeah i'll meet people at bars like let's say i go to like a friend's birthday or like a networking event or whatever and like i have a conversation with somebody for the first time like it'll be like oh, okay like what do you do what do you do yeah, and I then immediately that. my conversation would be like do you like your job and then they're like, actually, and then we just deep dive into uh, like, so, our first date was like, what are your values? Like, like you because know? I know, like, I think when we first started dating, I've read a lot of articles about first messages or like, you know, and oh, you did your research. Yeah. But I ended up on this like thread of people or articles on the internet that were talking about how every time you get people together to talk that everybody ends up bitching about their job and it's like when you first meet someone the first thing you ask is like what do you do and then it becomes like all about a person's job but a person's job is not who they are or not necessarily for some people yeah like they love whatever their job is that that's their what they love doing as their personal life mission but i would tell you for most people are this is my guess i guess listeners could tell me otherwise if they feel differently but for most people, their jobs aren't who they are. So when you ask somebody and have a whole conversation about what somebody does for a living, for their job, you're not learning about who they are as a person and what they personally want. You're learning about you know, the work that they're doing for someone else. So Maybe, yeah. When I asked you that, I was in that mindset and I read an article that said, instead of asking people what they do, ask them what they value or ask them about. Because I feel like the question, the follow-up question to me, it's like, well, what do you want to do? Yeah. And then it's the want to do that makes people be like, you know, I want to like yeah. X, Y, Z. You, it's, yeah, but you learn about pe- the goal is to learn about people's values through yeah. some of these questions instead of just like getting by the next half hour. Yeah, I think when before I met you and I was just early on in dating, I was trying to learn these like small talk tactics 
and I wish I, it's on my mind, but I don't know the actual acronym for this. And I could probably fill in like two or three of the blanks. Somebody out there probably knows what it is, but it's like you ask somebody about friends, family, faith. I think there's four. I think it's four Fs. It's like friends, family, faith, and there's like another F. And whether or not they like Fast and Furious. I think the other, yeah, Fast and Furious. (laughs) (laughs) But I think the other F has to do with like interests or like hobbies or something like that. But those are like the tactics of Like free time maybe? Yeah, something like that. But if you ask about any one of those four things, the person is going to be very willing to like, you know, chat or, you know, and, and the other tactic is like people love talking about themselves. So as long as you just keep asking them questions about themselves, um, it, it'll be like you'll have stuff to talk about or that other person will have stuff to talk about. Yeah. You know, at first I was like, oh, shout out to James for like doing all this research. And that's really cute. And, but I actually forgot that. Um, I, I think we talked about, you know, that book by Dale Carnegie. Like how to win friends and influence. I've heard people. about it, but I have zero idea what I mean, it's about. Or I took why it out from this. the library. I read like the first like in like the first like few pages, and then the book was overdue. You know, but like I don't I don't remember getting into the book. But I think I got so much from just like the first few pages alone that I immediately started doing it. And this was back in two thousand and eight when I didn't have conversations with people and like. I was I was just starting to enter this like adult world of going to like a friend's birthday party, which is just at a bar and you have to stand there with a drink and talk to people around you. And I was like, because I used to like just go dancing and stuff where you don't have to talk to people. And like um, dancing is an activity. It is an activity. It's just okay. It's like like I fuck with parallel play like you dance, you know, like let's just we like doing things together is fine. But I found it really hard to talk to people um that wasn't in like a deep one-on-one setting social talking so i remember seeing that book and one of the one of the things that he talks about is that people love talking about themselves and so like the the key to making small talk is to ask questions about people but the but the other thing is to be genuinely interested in their response and ask follow-up questions so it's not just like hey you know what do you do well i like to blah 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 and like looking for ways to relate because a lot of that is like a it's also like a like an active listening no-no which is like you're only listening to figure out a response versus listening to actually like hear where they're coming from and so like your brain should be thinking about listening to their responses to figure out things to ask follow-up questions about rather than trying to figure out things for you to talk about in like response and that changed everything. So the next party I went to, I was invited to, I saw that someone had a camera around their neck and I was like, oh, are you a photographer? And then he just started talking about how he ju- he was just starting out. And I was like, what's that like for you? That seems really scary, you know? Yeah. So we got into like a great, and that was like such a distinctive moment for me where I was like, oh my God, talking mm-hmm. to people is actually like fascinating. Yeah. I think the tough thing for me is that I own, like I don't want to talk to someone just for the sake of like passing time or like talking to them. Like to me, it's about figuring out whether or not in that like first few questions or not, like whether or not, all right, we should continue this conversation. Do we have like 
similar interests or like things that we could actually relate with each other with or can I walk away and yeah find... like is there an out like oh clearly like yeah there's nothing jiving here um so we can move on so I'm like a very I try to find as much efficiency as possible <laughs> and maybe that if I had my ideal talk I would like ask the right first two questions to figure out whether or not this conversation's worth like going farther and then move on which is why I really like the question of like what, what do, do you value? value but it's also like going straight like yeah like it no seems lube. very direct <laughs> you just go in and drive you have to mark this podcast as explicit <laughs> oh, for, sorry. for the usage of sorry lube. James's mom <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh yeah like I don't know because to me small talk is tough and I think there always needs to be a premise for why you should even like engage in the conversation to begin with versus like because I'm, I'm trying to like think of like when i had to engage in small talk and i think the most annoying they are most uncomfortable situations where i had to try to employ small talk but i end up not i just like sit in a corner and like don't want to talk to anybody is like happy hour like work happy hours i remember there was one time i think it was like probably already like eight years ago where I was working in an office and we shared the floor with another company and then the other company invited us over to their oh god their office for a happy hour and it's like you have zero shared interest and even the two companies didn't really have like they weren't in the same industries or yeah I mean maybe like maybe the engineers could talk to each other but it was just like why it was just like this unfortunate mashup of two things and it's like hey (laughs) it's like what what are we gonna talk about like what i don't know so those are to me are the most uncomfortable situations for small talk and at that point it's like i shouldn't have even come to this yeah and then you want to turn inside out and like blow away in the wind and like yeah so but there's some people who are really good i think the thing that people the people who are good at small talk are really good at is like that first entry point of like yeah hey like you know if there you see a group of people like being able to approach them and like just have whatever first thing that you say to them to just like yeah. get mo- i feel like people have stuff awful. in their pocket like i feel i think some people have like things that are current in the news How they're like the oh weather? my god like <laughs> yeah like the weather i always talk about the weather but that's also because i love that, weather that's what i do in the elevator in our building is I, I always talk about the weather like, when i'm like stuck with someone in the elevator and we've got like 24s to go and it's like oh it's hot out there <laughs> yeah i mean that's there's not there's nothing else to talk about and it, there's no point in opening up a strong conversation when you guys are gonna end that conversation in 17 seconds so True. why not but like you know i like you know people that always ask me and this is like what are you watching on tv these days i'm like oh, i don't watch TV um, uh, and I, I have like what you know when people ask me those questions my brain ends what's your favorite color uh, um, oh that's uh, a weird one yeah no I, I don't think that I don't think that shows up that's like an icebreaker question I fucking hate icebreakers what's your favorite color I hate icebreakers what's superhero what's your superpower whatever oh, the but superpower. what animal would you be like I, I hate that kind of stuff um, so but I, I'm coming up with one that I've tried twice and I think it's been really fun okay and I've I've learned so much about people actually maybe not so much but <laughs> the question that I've been asking is what kind of stuff do you watch on YouTube to downtime could I answer this yeah <laughs> <laughs> I watch so much YouTube 
And it changes. It changes from time to time. Exactly. Right so it's now, always a relevant question. Right now, I'm watching people who live in Japan. <laughs> like foreigners living in Japan. Oh, interesting. Um, I don't know why I'm like... A, and, and they're mostly car guys. Like I get pulled into it because of the, the Japanese cars that aren't here in the U.S. But like, yeah, there's actually... it's. I think Japanese people are like sick of it now with all these foreigners like trying to move to Japan for YouTube content. But I, the reason I think I'm interested in it is because like we have this interest in wanting to go to Japan and travel Japan. And for me, it's more relatable to see it from uh, the foreigner's perspective because, you know, the, the nervousness you have about traveling to Japan is what they're going to broadcast on these YouTube channels so you could maybe learn something about mm -hmm. like how you'd be able to navigate it. I think that's the reason why, but I found myself watching all these like YouTubers, like foreigners moving to Japan and what, like trying to live in Japan and navigate mm -hmm. Japan. And yeah, I think like to me, I've just realized that that's a lot of what I've been watching on YouTube lately. But that's fascinating. That's actually a really good See, question. See, isn't that such a good question? Because then that came out about Japan and all that yeah. stuff about myself. Yeah, like I that's learned that one. you're trying to travel to Japan. I also learned something about what kind of content is out there and like, you know, like yeah. the curiosities, the reasons why you're watching it. Like, yeah, it's YouTube so good. is great. Uh, it's hard to discover people too, so you could actually discover something. So, what what are you watching on YouTube? I mean, my default answer is always gonna just be Korean women cooking. Like, <laughs> like oh, I watch that too. I know I got you onto <laughs> it because I started watching it when I was like pooping because it's like the most calming thing to just have like because the you know the, these Korean women don't talk. It's just like zoomed in sounds of like chopping zucchini, running water, and it's like very wiping. Too. It's super aesthetic. I learn like a recipe passively. Maybe it's because I miss my mom. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But like something about it just nurtures me. And then I put you on and like now you have a favorite mom that you watch mm -hmm. without me. Hammy mommy. And Shout Hammy out mommy. to Hammy mommy. Yo. But, um, but lately though, what I've kind of gotten sucked into is I don't I feel like your eyes are gonna glaze over once I start talking about it because I get like really scientific about it. I'm gonna some learn stuff. so much about you. I have learned like something is trending on like beauty TikTok called like your your seasons. So you're like a you're like a true summer or like a soft summer or whatever, right? So that none of that made sense to me. Basically a lot of this starts because these influencers go to Korea and then these Korean like they have they go to these places where they put um, swatches of color on you and take them off of you one layer by layer so that you can see how different colors affect how vibrant your skin is, how light, like how dark your blemishes look. Like, and to me, I couldn't figure out the difference. I couldn't like understand. And they're always getting it wrong. They're like, do you think this one's better? This one's better. I'm like, and then they're like this one. And then the, the, the lady is like, no, actually it's this one. Oh, I was going to ask that. I was like, who's gonna decide the right color is the person gonna decide it for themselves or is, the, is there some there's uh, science there's behind? actually supposed apparently a science behind it somebody created it based off of some like artist like mid-century artist or whatever but i couldn't figure out what that thing was and so i had written it off but then i found something on youtube where they like take you through a series of um questions so you know the whole like warm versus cool versus neutral i struggle with that yeah that I couldn't figure it out. But like one of the questions is, do you look better in silver jewelry, gold jewelry, or both? And so it, it takes you through a bunch of um, questions. 
And I figured out mine actually because there was this one exercise I didn't even know about where you take a picture of yourself in sunlight and then you reduce the saturation so that it's black and white. Okay. And then based on what your black and white photo looks like, it asks you to measure the level of contrast between like your eyebrows, your eyes, your hair, your mouth. The higher your contrast is, like the more vibrant colors you can wear, hmm. the lower the contrast is, the more muted your color palette actually should be. And I found out that I have like the most low contrast face in the world, apparently. <laughs> but like, but that actually like solidly put me in like, I'm still figuring it out. It's still yeah, like a science I'm trying to figure out. About it. But Just I'm more like, YouTube videos. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, through this, I found out that I'm actually muted colors that are kind of like honey toned, earth toned. I tried it out with some of the items I have in my wardrobe and I literally look better. Mm -hmm. And I'm apparently supposed to stay away from hard black and hard white. My entire wardrobe black is black and white. And I'm like, fuck. So I've been like, and you know, your makeup colors, your makeup, which explains why like I colored my hair and it was terrible for some reason. So I had to go back and get it recolored and I had to make it a little more bluer reddish and somehow that changed everything so like i'm kind of that's what i've been like at three in the morning i'm trying to do like science experiments color like theory. color theory yeah because color theory in general fascinates me yeah and it mystifies me so i've been just hold up trying to figure this out mm -hmm. but that's what i've been interesting your eyes didn't glaze over wait what happened <laughs> so my question on that is what what happens when you choose the right color combination or is it does it make you more attractive does it like what is the end goal the, the in... argument is is that it brings out the more flattering tone skin like colors in your skin okay so your face so for instance if i wear gray or black the the theory is is that it would actually bring out the grays in my skin Got and it. so so that was happening so it's more about your um making your skin color more more flattering for yeah, you or pop out more mm -hmm. or like exaggerate your yeah. better features so if you wear certain shades of pink that are in like a color in a family or a season that's not flattering to you it'll actually bring out the blemishes in your skin the or it would um, something that's too vibrant or too saturated it would actually wash your skin out and I was actually having a lot of trouble with my makeup. I was like, why do I, why does my skin look so dead? I had to like constantly put on like blush and I couldn't figure it out. But I was also wearing all black and all white and my skin was like tanner. So I just put on an olive green shirt and then all of a sudden, like, I was like, oh, damn. So good to know. I think that there's actually some science behind it. Yeah, I, I feel like that stuff also happens subconsciously because I think about that, too. When like I placebo look at, or like? A, no, no, oh. because like when I look at my wardrobe and I've wanted to wear bright colors like I, I had this like hot pink shirt like a Nike hot pink shirt that I saw like Rafael Nadal wear and I bought it and then when I wore it I was like I like this shirt by itself but not on me and but I like have, it on Nadal but not on me but you have a hot orange shirt <laughs> I don't that, like that I don't like how that looks oh really I think it looks really good so I, I feel like to me whenever I wear like bright colors mm. I personally am like oh like I don't like how I look in that so maybe there's something with the I don't know if I watched all this YouTube I'd learn a little bit more about yeah dude it's a it's a black hole mm -hmm. but um but I think the reason why I want to do it is because I have a hard time shopping and I'll buy things and I'm so particular about how clothes look on me 
that if it's not like perfect, then I either never wear it or I never return it or you know what I mean? Like, so if I have some like parameters for something, it would make shopping easier. It would make the clothes in my wardrobe more worn. Like, so to me, I'm like really excited about the prospect of saving money and saving time when trying to look for something because the way that i go shopping i'll literally pick up anything that catches my eye and i try everything on yeah very inefficient so yeah no so i've been in a hole Mm -hmm. trying to figure out this color science um because like i've also been told like my friend and i would wear the same shade of lip gloss and on her it would look very pink and on, on like on her it would look super brown and on me the same color would look too pink and so I'm like, because I don't understand color theory, I spent like maybe six months trying to find the perfect nude, whatever. So that's why I'm like, to me, it'll, it'll, I won't waste as much money and time. Yeah. So yeah. I've been trying to, or I've always had this desire to want to go minimalist with oh, my yeah. wardrobe. <laughs> I keep telling you about this, but I don't have the courage to do it which is like get rid of my entire wardrobe and go down to like three shirts, two jeans, like a pair of shorts. I have a question. (laughs) Knowing you, let me ask you the question before I impose my thought on you. Do you enjoy putting your outfits together? Um, Not, not real, not now. Ah. So I've, in my head have had a change recently and I don't know why this has happened but I used to always be like a logo t-shirt type of person like I love like a graphic on my shirt or a logo of a brand that I love like on a t-shirt and now I look at like I open my drawer of all my t-shirts and every single t-shirt in there has like a big graphic on it and I've been like no I want like a blank shirt like a gray Mm. or black like solid color shirt like Uh, And this is like a recent change. So this is also kind of pushing me towards like, I have like three drawers full of t-shirts and I don't want to wear any one of them because they all have like a huge graphic on it. Um, And I am feeling now, like, because I think the argument, the argument that first made me aware of this was the whole like decision fatigue. Like when you start your morning off having a hard time deciding Mm -hmm. what to wear and you've got like 50 shirts to wear, you're already like depleting your decision-making battery mm. in your head and you don't you, that's no longer available to you for the rest of the day for your the rest of your decision-making so the simpler you make your decision-making in the morning like when it comes to changing you know the other strategy is to pick your outfit the night before no, so that way that all you have to do <laughs> all you have to do is just like throw it on and you don't have to make that decision in the morning and then the other thing is if you like remove all the decision making and you just have like three shirts and like mm. two pants like it's very easy to make the decision and yeah i think the only other downside to that is you'd have to do laundry like once a week because you only have like yeah. 10 pieces of clothing but they're all the same and and your load will be a lot smaller instead of like the three hours of laundry we understand it's true yeah we have so many clothes and we let it yeah. pile up but i mean yeah what, that's like hours of laundry but we do it like once every two weeks yeah so you're looking for like a capsule wardrobe which yeah or like that represents the look that i Mm -hmm. like and for me right now i'm really happy just wearing like a solid 
color either gray or black shirt with like joggers yeah like or like a black joggers or, or yeah whatever. yeah no that's really interesting so i mean the reason why i asked that is because at least when i met you i remember like appreciating how intentional you were about getting dressed um i remember having this conversation with a friend of mine who argued that he he's a very like literally he'll eat the same thing every day um because it's practical and you know he has like a winter jacket he has a win you know he has like a out he has like a outfit for like every season yeah but what he said is he's like women have outfits and men have uniforms and he's like that makes dressing so much easier because men will just have like a certain kind of shorts that they can just put on and change the color and you know the wind you know i'm like you know that's really interesting and then i've noticed like when we go out you'd be like this hat doesn't match this particular shade of pink on my shoe so i'm gonna pull out this hat from the archives that has like the same hot pink you know accent and like you're a designer you actually like have a very good relationship with color Mm -hmm. and so i remember really enjoying that about you and so i was like is that really a part of your dna like i want i stay wanting to wear billowy dresses but i put them on and i look like a wizard so Mm -hmm. at some point i have to like admit that i'm not a wizard dress kind of girl i mean i've always been about comfort so if you ask anybody who worked with me my previous jobs i always wore joggers to work and people were like oh i would never wear like sweats and i always did it but to your point like that was my uniform right that was like my look so then what i would do is like i'd have a whole bunch of different types of joggers and that's how the the little personality comes into that i do think that more recently the pandemic had an effect Mm. on this because you don't go out as much yeah you're not yeah you're not going out and like you're not going out every day and then you need to like impress people or like have a look um and also i found you and we're like married now so oh, yeah, i'm we, not by like by the way we found out that james did literally everything james did was to try to snag a girl peacock. <laughs> he's Pe- trying peacock to peacock it. and now that he got a girl he's like all right <laughs> so i think that's part of it i don't have to peacock as much although i, I have like fashion i have like you're my a peacocker hat. you're still a peacock yeah i bought my like full brim hat and like you know I, like so if i want to look good or we're going somewhere where you know yeah like i think I you still enjoy good. dressing up i do um i do but not every day but yeah, and, for everyday wear, it's just yeah. like, like com- comfort, right? Yeah. Like I've got like these Nike sweatpants that are super comfortable and super breathable and light. Just I, I bought two pairs of it from the Nike outlet because I like love them so much because they're so comfortable, and just like shirts and I, I've. So when I was a kid, I was very textural about my shirts. Oh my god, and then me too. I lost super it. sensory. Yeah, and then I lost that. I wasn't, re- but then now I feel like in the past couple of years I'm becoming very sensory again about my shirts. It's because of it's because of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, so like the littlest thing, like a little stitching in the neck that's like you know rubbing my neck the wrong way. I'm like I'm not fucking wearing that, yeah. that shirt. It's it's yeah. So I've also become oddly textural about stuff, and that's also affecting what I wear. Like you gave me those solid uh, shirts from was it Uniqlo or H and M, and I love them. But like they're just a little bit too tight, and like that tightness mm-hmm. around it's certain parts is like, yeah. oh, like I love the look how this shirt looks on me, but I can't wear it because it's just a little bit too tight around like my uh, ch- the chest area, yeah. and like especially in my like 
what is this area sternum sternum like right you're very sensitive about your sternum exactly so some of those shirts like just are a little bit too tight there and i I, Mm. as much as i like how they look on me i can't wear them because of that yeah apparently uniqlo's m is actually an extra small because i gave them to you because they were too small on me and they're still a little bit too small yeah and so i mean but it's a really good quality shirt so side note i'm down to objectively yeah i like that material we just need to get a large um so so i think what's really interesting about that too is like i personally do love dressing up also and the way that my clothes are arranged on me is very important however and i remember thinking about this because i will literally wear the same thing every like i have like uh i guess i have a capsule wardrobe but it's like I, i think about the people who see me in the lobby or like the doorman who will literally see me in the same outfit or like we hung out with our friends on Saturday and then I was like, oh crap, I think I wore the exact same outfit last Saturday. I'm, I will literally wear the same thing until my style changes or the weather changes or yeah. my body changes. Cause I've got, you know, I bloat like, you know, so, yeah. but my closet is so full that I have nowhere to put my clothes. Mm-hmm. So we should just get rid of what you're saying is we should just get rid of all of our clothes. No. So this brings up an interesting point. I kind of always was <laughs> laughing to myself because I was thinking about this and I think it's like a ridiculous thought to have. But and I'm going to bring us back to like office days of like working in the office with the coworkers. But and I'm sure other people like looked at me like this because I had like very distinct pieces of my wardrobe. But I was remembering like certain coworkers that always had like that one like shirt that you always like attach to them and then when you when they wore that i don't know if you thought this about people but when they wore that shirt that was like them it's like oh like you're out your uniform that's you yeah <laughs> that's your that's your uniform so, like, that's remember, your character outfit yeah i remember a coworker i had this is so specific a coworker i had had like a striped sweatshirt where like each stripe was like a, a different color and it was like a very distinct like sweatshirt and he would wear it like once a week but whenever he would wear it i'd be like that's you like i don't have you ever had that thought when you had like a coworker that had like a very distinct piece and when they wore it you're like yeah like you're on today no oh that's a weird thought then it's not a weird thought (laughs) no it's not a weird thought i just think that i work with a lot of people who have outfits yeah or you know that that's their favorite yeah thing that their favorite shirt like um I had a coworker that I worked with for two different companies and she had like this dress that was like so her. Yeah. And she loved it. And yeah, and I knew that that was like her favorite dress. Yeah. And then when we were working at um Refinery 29, one day we walked in and another <gasps> girl had the same dress as her and we we're like, "Oh no." <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. <laughs> so, I don't know, I, I for some reason that's that thought really came funny. into my head, but it's so funny because like certain people have that favorite piece and without them telling you, you're like, "I know that's your favorite piece." I will also say I think as a person, you're very you you register people's favorite things because you're just a really nice person and you're always on the lookout for like things people love so i think mm. you you just have that like archiver mindset where clearly yeah. i'm just not a good friend or i'm like you, no, could... you just don't think I, i'm very curious to see if other people are yeah like i think that would be really interesting like i'll recognize accessories i think people put effort into accessories and people are usually very intentional about the accessories they choose and so like for me my eyes will gravitate to accessories and that's what i tend to like compliment a lot but i don't like 
I don't think I like note it for the future. Mm. My brain doesn't have that kind of yeah, space. Yeah, I'm a very, I have a photographic memory. You do. So whenever somebody wears a shirt, like I'm like, oh, I, I've seen this look before. Yeah, you're like, they're the happiest and they're, they shine the brightest when they wear this thing. Yeah. And you I'm know, sure I'm the same way because I do. Or, you you know, have, like, yeah, you, I have when you, at, at the last day of your, one of your jobs, everyone dressed like you. Oh, yeah, that's right. They all wore neon orange beanies and joggers to work. Yeah, so I, at that time, I was wearing the bright orange Carhartt beanie, joggers. Every day. And, sne- and very loud sneakers. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, a button down. A button down with, like, the, the shirt show, because the, I always had the graphic tee. So yeah. I had the button down, unbuttoned. So that was my your graphic uniform. And so the, my last day when I was at Gimlet Media, all of my coworkers wore my uniform. That's so, I completely so funny. I thought that. that was, I was like, I saw that and I'm like, your coworkers love you. Like the <laughs> fact that they did this, like they, that is the sweetest thing. So people do know people's uniforms. Yeah. I mean, your uniform is very bright. It was neon orange, neon pink. Like, you yeah. know, you're definitely back in your peacocking days, I guess. Yeah. That's funny. Oh, wow. I forgot about that. But that, yeah, I guess other people do. Yeah, that's like a core memory for me mm-hmm. of you, for you. I'll hold on to that. Yeah. That's you, you took that as a sign that that people love me. Yeah. But that, that you also have um, a, a distinct, like a distinct, because I saw you on dates where you put a lot of effort into what you were wearing. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, I didn't really know like the daily, I feel like sometimes work, like, like work people and home people are like Jekyll and Hyde mm-hmm. um, yeah so today's episode was about small talk yeah and that's fun that's really fun yeah so I mean yeah I mean so now we're we're approaching an hour yeah we've got an hour and now we've Again, got the wow. tools that we need to go out into and the world and have and activities small it up small it up <laughs> all right let's go out there babe and let's let's small it up i'm gonna go out there and i'm gonna small it up mm-hmm. and come i back next really week don't like that let you, know, <laughs> let you know how being small out there worked out for me okay you you be small baby yeah <laughs> all right we'll see you all next week bye